So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich, have acquired wealth, and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and solve to put on your eyes so you can see. Now look at verse 19 and 20. Here it is. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. Everybody say, he rebukes us and he disciplines us because he loves us. Now that is what the Bible says. Now remember, when he rebukes us and disciplines us, he does it because he loves us. Somebody say, Jesus loves me. Put a big smile on your face and say, Jesus loves me. That's why he rebukes me. Come on, say, that's why he rebukes me. Say, that's why he disciplines me. You see, you can smile saying it doesn't mean he's angry. It just means he loves us. He says, verse 20, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they will eat with me. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on the throne. See, look at that. He's going to honor us. Sit on daddy's lap. Just as I was victorious and sat on my father with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears, let him hear what the spirit is saying to the churches. Pull on your ear right now. Come on, pull on it and say, I got to hear what the Spirit is saying to this church. See, now Jesus knew how to talk to his church. His church was the ones that his disciples went out and started. And Metro Praise is a part of this lineage of churches, meaning I am a pastor because Brother Anthony raised me up. Brother Anthony was raised up by Papa Logan. Papa Logan was raised up by somebody I don't know, all the way back to the Apostle Paul and to Jesus. Now, today you are here in Metro Praise Church, but it's, and it's a new church, five years old, new facility since September. But it's not new teaching. It's not new doctrine. We're not starting a cult here, okay? We're not going to teach you something strange. Nobody's getting on a comment. And we're not asking you to sell everything you have. Let us marry your wives and live on a commune. Look at your neighbor and say, thank you, Lord. Okay, what we are talking about is here today and now at Metro Praise and the American church that we represent. So today I'm not talking about the church in India. I'm not talking about the churches in Mexico. I'm talking about Metro Praise and the churches of America that we represent right now. I think Jesus has a problem with our churches. I'm a pastor. I can talk about it. I'm not mad at the church. I just think Jesus has a problem with some of our churches. The problem that I think Jesus has is some of these points right here. Look at it as I go through them. It has failed to reach the inner cities in troubled areas of America. If you look at what happened in the 80s, the churches left the cities and went out to the suburbs. What happened to the cities? They became a place of crime. They became a place where violence happened. Now you and I live in Chicago, the murder capital of America. More murders have happened in Chicago than in New York City. Why do these things happen? Do I blame the police? Do I blame the young people? Listen, if you come in here and the lights are off and it's dark, do you curse the darkness? No, darkness is dark. What you do is you change the light. I'm not mad at the sinners. I'm not mad at the mayor. I'm mad at the church that's supposed to be shining the light, but the bulb's gone out. I think I said that too fast. I'm upset with the church that's not shining the gospel light. 
You see, there's a problem when the church doesn't teach parents how to parent. And then the young people don't know how to act. Then they go to school and act a certain way. Well, you teach them they're animals. You treat them like animals. What are they going to act like? Animals. We allow them to listen to rock and roll that says there's no value to life. We allow them to cut themselves and do things. Well, it's no coincidence that Columbine is going to happen. It's no coincidence that Oklahoma school shootings and mall shootings are going to happen. We failed to reach the troubled areas of this city. You go out to Belmont and Clark, you won't see Christians out there ministering. You go to the west side, you won't be bumping into other Christians who are trying to minister. Are you listening to me today? I think there's some issues in the church. Number two, it has failed at making disciples that impact the world around them. Let me ask you a question. If you were going to go to war right now and you had to fight for your freedom and fight for uh, what is right, would you want to go with a thousand babies or would you want to go with a handful of Marines, special ops? Come on. You see, think of it this way. The church now is a mile wide and only a centimeter deep. There's no depth in the church anymore. We have so much information on bookshelves and in and television. You can get all of this information, but yet still be a baby Christian. And when it comes to fighting the devil and his demons, these babies Christians can't do anything about what they're fighting. That's why there's just as much divorce in the church as there is in the world. There's just as many people having abortions in the church that claim to be a Christian that are in the world. There's just as many tore up from the floor up families in the church that are in the world because they're baby Christians and the devil just keeps defeating them because no one has stopped and trained the church how to be a mighty warrior, how to be disciples. All the church wants to do is just tell you something to tickle you in 45 minutes so that you can go on your way. And it's almost like an unspoken rule. I don't mess with you. You don't mess with me. You just give your offering. I'm cool. Then I won't mess with you. I won't preach and make you feel uncomfortable. We do it in an hour. I got things to do. You got things to do. Let's just meet here, shake hands, drop it off, and go about our way. But the problem with that is, while we go hide back in our closet the world comes out the closet locks us in the door and takes over in the marketplace and takes over in the world they used to be ashamed to say what they did but they came out the closet put us in the closet are you listening number three it has become people-centered rather than god-centered it's more about your felt need. Well, Pastor, I think I need this. And I think I need that. And we come here just wanting our little needs to be met. And I understand we all have needs. You have needs. And I have needs. But, my friends, the focus of the church is just not meeting your particular need. The focus of the church is glorifying Jesus Christ. It's here for Jesus. We are His servants. We're not supposed to come here and go, Jesus... Uh, excuse me, uh, I've been waiting five minutes on this prayer to be answered. Uh, I need this answer right now because I've got to go back out this Sunday and be with my family. So can you just come and, and, and fix my troubled marriage and just come and get me off drugs? Help me quit stop smoking. And I like to lose a little weight too, Jesus. The Bible says we're supposed to come here and serve Jesus. Serving like a waiter or waitress. Jesus, I have come this morning. What do you want me to do? The Bible says the church should be called a house of prayer for the nations. Okay, God, I'll pray for the nations today. God, I'll learn your word today so that can be effective out in this world. God, I'll teach my children how to come and respect and honor you. God, I'll worship and adore you because you love hearing how much I love you. It's all about Jesus. Somebody say, be cross-eyed. 
God wants us to be cross-eyed. And lastly, it's failed to teach people the real cost of being a follower of Jesus. Sometimes you go to churches, and no offense, but it almost feels like you've gone to a real estate seminar who wants to be a millionaire. We'll come right up. If you want a free car, a new house, and the American dream, just come on up and say this prayer. Give it up for They're getting a million dollars right now. We think that Christianity is what God gives to us. Well, yes, he does give us a new life. But somehow we think that when we come up here and we sign the contract for Christianity, we think that God was signing the contract to us about the American dream. We leave out of church and say, well, God, I'm waiting for that new car now. I'm waiting for that new house. I better not get fired, God, or I'm going to stop coming to church and blame it all on you. Oh, and God, don't let me get sick. And Oh, God, don't let anybody treat me bad or take my parking spot at Walmart because then I'll know that you don't exist. And we may Make this idea with God that Christianity equals the American dream. Do you know that Christianity means you lay down your life for Jesus? Point ends there. Amen. To God be the glory. Christianity is God. What do you want me to do? Go live in a hut in Africa? Leave my job and start somewhere else? God, I am your servant and your servant is listening and will obey. Can you say, help us, Jesus? So he said to the church in Revelation, you make me puke. There's something inside of you that when I taste you, it makes me spit you out. That's what Jesus said. Think about it. You drink hot coffee, you love it. You drink cold coffee, you love it. Lukewarm coffee laying around all day. Second you taste it, you want to spit it out. Same thing with milk. How many like hot chocolate? How many like some cold milk? Drink it. Come on. But if that milk's been laying out all day and you forgot about it, drink it. It's nasty. Look at your neighbor and say, nasty. So what are we going to do with a church that is neither hot nor cold? Well, we've got to make some changes. And so today I want you to see the difference between a consumer and a disciple. Everybody say a consumer. Thank you. A consumer is someone who seeks the best deal at the best price. Okay, I'm coming to church as a consumer. The music better be short. The preaching better be exciting. The the building better be exactly what I want. And if it's not all that, I'm going to the next church. See, that's a consumer. It's, it's looking at it from I want the best deal at the best price. I won't give a penny more. I won't come to this church and give a minute more. That thing hits 12. I am gone. Hello? That's how people come to the church. And what happens is, like I said, the pulpit makes an agreement with the pew, and both of them are messed up. Now, what is a disciple? A disciple is someone who is trained and disciplined to live like Jesus. So you don't look at this like a consumer, like, um, I would like a little bit more thought on that, a little bit less of the music, a little bit more of the preaching. No, when you come here, it's, it's like karate class. It's like, pastor, train me. Hatch! You know what I'm saying? You come here like with your headband on, with your, with your Jane Fonda outfit on. You know what I'm saying? Let's get physical, physical, let's get physical. So you're coming for that attitude like, Work me out, Pastor. I gotta do some Holy Ghost aerobics up in this thing. I gotta lose some spiritual weight. I gotta get disciplined and trained. Eddie Berto, our Aztec warrior, stand up for me right now. This is a trainer in a gym. Give it up for my man right there. If you want buns of steel, that is the man you need to see right there. He will work you out. You will know that you're not in charge. Amen? I love the show The Biggest Loser because it shows you what it takes to change your life. When we look at people changing on the outside with exercise, sweat, discipline, why do you think it's any different spiritually? You're saved by grace, but you've got a whole life to live. You've got to work this thing out. The Bible says work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, is God there to give you strength? Yes, he is, but you've got something to do. Amen? 
Let's look at the definitions found in the Bible. There's three things that we are called in the Bible. Firstly, we're called Christians in Acts 11:26, Acts 26:28, and Peter refers to us as that in 1 Peter 4:16. Now, what is a Christian? It means to be Christ-like. Chicagoan, you live in Chicago. Christian, Christ with I-A-N, means you're like Christ. Believer, to believe in Jesus, to be born again. We're called that only two times in the Bible, Acts 5:14, 1 Timothy 4:14, 4, 4, uh, 12. But what are we called over 259 times in the Bible, a disciple. Everybody say a disciple. Because a disciple is a student of Jesus to be trained to live like Jesus. Jesus is not looking for people to check off on their census once a year. Yes, I'm a Christian. He's not looking for people just to come here and go, yes, I believe, like as if he's so insecure about himself. Oh, I hope they believe in me, angels. I hope they believe. They believe. Yes, I'm not alone. Jesus doesn't need you to believe in him to make himself feel better. Believing and accepting him is a part of your transformation because you're realizing you're not here about your own business now. You're here about his business. But the word disciple, so it means I want to follow Christ. I'm a Christian. I'm not following Buddha, Muhammad. I'm not following Krishna, so I'm following Christ. I'm a Christian. I believe that he's the Messiah, the Son of God, crucified, buried, rose again on the third day. So I'm a believer. I'm saved. But now what must I do? Be a disciple. Live it out. Walk it out every day of my life. Now, when Jesus came, what did he come and make? Twelve Christians? Did he come and make twelve believers? What did Jesus come and make? Twelve what? Disciples. Now, I want you to hear this stat right now. In the church of America, something that might shock you a little bit, but it's not surprising to me, someone who's been a pastor for a season, because I can see it in the people's lives. Two out of three, 66% of Christians attend small groups at least once a month. We have small groups here. That means two out of three of you will go to a small group. That's awesome. That's what's going around the churches right now. People are getting small groups. But here's the problem. Only 14%, that's one out of seven, are actually being mentored in the small group. So what does that mean? They go from a big group to small group, and then in a small group, they just hang out with their friends, drink coffee, and do their thing, and then they leave out the same way they came. So they went to a big group, small group, and now they left out the same way. Nobody's mentoring them. Look at the next thing. One out of four people will attend some type of a Bible class. Pastor, let's go to midweek Bible study. Or let's have a Bible class on Revelations. I want to know what the four horsemen are. Or maybe Ezekiel, the wheel within a wheel. Ooh, are those ancient aliens? What's going on there? Okay, so let's have a Bible class. 25% of Christians will attend a Bible class. But only 11%, one out of nine, actually attend a discipleship class. You're going to get homework. You're going to ask to be in a prayer meeting. You're going to be asked to to talk about your life and how you're growing. You're going to be coached. So let's review it. 66% go to small groups, but only 14% are being ministered to one-on-one. 25% will go to a Bible class, but only 11% are actually going to a discipleship class. Now apply this to your work and what you do in the real world outside of this building. 85% of you, that's almost Eight, a nine out of ten have received mentorship on your job or have received training classes to do what you do effectively. How many have either been trained by an individual or have been to a class to do your job effectively? Raise your hands. And look around to those who are not waving, waving their hands. You do not want to go to their job. Amen. 
If you just showed up and you started doing something, I don't, I don't know if I trust you quite yet. You know what I'm saying? I just picked up the drill and now I'm a dentist. Okay. I don't feel comfortable. I, don't, I see a military man back there. Thank you, sir. Have you been trained? Yes, sir. Let's give it up for our, our guy in the military outfit. God bless you. And for all those who serve in the military, thank you. Do the military get trained before they get in a tank, fly a jet? Absolutely. So where is the disconnect? We think that we're going to be able to be effective in God's kingdom, which is an everlasting kingdom, without being trained to, uh, without being trained in comparison to what we give to an earthly kingdom that passes away. Meaning we'll get more trained to work with money than we will with the Holy Spirit. Did you think when you came into this church, boop, it just comes all on you? Oh, oh, oh. Thus says the Lord God Almighty. Oh, you just start quoting scripture. Be at peace, my brother. You come home, uh, parents, God is in this place. Yes, he is. My friends, you've got to be trained. You've got to know what you're doing. You have to learn how to pray. Didn't Jesus teach his disciples how to pray? Jesus taught his disciples how to go out and preach the gospel. Jesus taught his disciples how not to sin. I know some of us think it's just going to stop all by itself. But no, there's things in your life where you're going to need somebody's help. How to stop cursing. How to stop acting a certain way with your attitude. Get rid of stinking thinking. You can be trained by people who have gone through it. And they can teach you. Everybody say a disciple. I want to give you five points on it today. Let's go quickly through them. Number one, a disciple lives a life of self-denial. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Who is he talking to? Disciples, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. So what's the first step here? How many want to be disciples, first of all? Can you say amen? If you're still deciding, we love you. That's okay. But listen, if you want to be a disciple, the first thing you've got to do is deny yourself. It's not about you anymore. You're losing control out of your life. Some people say, uh, like a Miley Cyrus or whoever sang that song, Jesus, Take the Wheel. Who sung that song? Carrie Underwood. Thank you. Don't be ashamed. It's okay. It's a good song. Jesus, take the wheel. It's a country song about Jesus taking the wheel, okay? Like as if you're going to be going down some country road in a pickup truck and you just say to Jesus, Jesus, take the wheel. And you're just going to get out in the passenger side and you're just going to hang out with Jesus and listen to something. No, no, no. Let me tell you what you do. You put your car in park, pop the trunk, get into the back of the trunk, close the trunk, speak out through the little keyhole. Jesus, you drive wherever you want to go. I ain't going to interfere with you. That's what it means to deny yourself. You, you, you in the passenger seat, you can still take a hold of it when you want to. You can still kind of direct him verbally. When you let Jesus take over, the Bible literally calls it a death. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross. Did he say, take up your massage mat? Take up your massage mat and begin to do yoga. It's going to feel so good. No, he said, take up your cross. You know what that's like? Say, take up the electric chair. Take up the hangman's noose. Take up the shooting man's gallery of guns. You're going to die on the inside. It's not you anymore. So when all these people have the I can't spirit, your can't spirit dies and becomes an I can do spirit. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Pastor, I don't know if I can get up and 
pray. But if you have Jesus, if you've died to that can't spirit, you can because Jesus said you can. You might say, Pastor, I can't quit smoking, drinking, fighting, cussing, and chewing, and hang with those who do it. Yes, you can because God is on the inside of you. You're denying yourself. Well, Pastor, I was born a transvestite, homosexual, pornography-loving, cheating on my wife, gang-banging sinner. Okay, well, get born again as a saint, holy and sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost and power. It doesn't matter how you're born in your first life. It doesn't matter how our physical bodies desire sin, like a magnet being drawn to another magnet. We are here to be transformed. The Bible says when God transforms us so much and live on this earth, people are going to look at you and go, you're an alien from another planet. You look like a stranger. How did you get here? Do you speak our language? You mean you don't look at pornography? No. Oh, man. Guys, come and look at this. This guy doesn't look at pornography. Where did you come from? Come on, somebody. God is looking for people to deny themselves and live like Jesus. Amen. Point number two is Jesus is looking for people who place God above everything. Look at Luke chapter 14, 25. Jesus speaking to the people. This is what he says. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus. So did Jesus have a problem with crowds? No. Jesus always had lots of people around him. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them, he said. So does he, this is his chance right now to get a lot of people to follow him. This is what he can say, hey guys, come on, you follow me, I'm going to make you rich. I'm going to make you a millionaire. Money, 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 money. Money. Is that what he says? Why is it we see this so much on televangelism? You give a hundred dollar guy, going to get you a thousand, girl. Come on. Here's some holy water. Here's a little magical cloth. That's what they tell us. We're going to become rich. Now look, is that what Jesus says? Jesus turns to them and he says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife. It gets quiet. Listen to that. Quiet. You all don't even know what to think. Some of you all are seeing that. Look at He comes to me and does not hate. Everybody say, hey. You didn't know this was in the Bible. I'm telling you, it's right here. If anyone doesn't come to me and does not hate his father, mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And anyone who does not carry his own cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Why did Jesus say the word hate here? Is Jesus a hater? Is Jesus to say, look, I want you just to hate everybody. We're going to go be monks, have funny hairdos, wear sackcloth up in the mountains somewhere, and we're all going to be crazy. Is that how we're going to be strapping bombs on ourselves, flying into buildings? No! Listen to what he's saying here. You cannot. Why is he saying that? Think of it like this. I like to go rock climbing, scale mountains. I know I'm a big boy. Sometimes they got to like hoist me up there. It's like a, uh, you know, like a piano going up to, you know, another floor. Hoist, hoist. But I do like to rock climb. I, I, I get on there and I have fun. If I put on myself 200 pounds of weight in a bag, I cannot climb that rock. It's impossible. I cannot bring that with me to climb the rock. That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying if you put first your family, if you put first your wife, if you put first your mother and your father, you will not make it because there will come a time where they will pull you back down. You might say, well, Pastor, even if, what if my parents are Christians? You will still get pulled back down. I have Christian parents. Something will happen, and it will pull you back down. Jesus is saying, hate in comparison to making him number one. 
When you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, you'll be the best mom. You'll be the best father. You'll have a lot of love for your children. But if you put something like your children, your family, before God, he says you cannot be his disciple. Jesus is looking for people who will trust him with their families. The number one thing we care about in America is our families. That's the number one thing above our jobs, above our money. We care about our family. And God is saying, let, let, let go of it and let me have it. And God will make your family blessed. Amen? The third thing that he's looking for is disciples who are not afraid to offend people to serve God. Sometimes serving God will offend people. Look at Jesus, verse 59. He said to another man, follow me. But the man replied, let me first go and fire up some marijuana and drink some beer and hit some ladies. Is that what he said? Lord, let me, let me first go cheat on my taxes and, and go uh, become a crooked businessman. This person doesn't set up an obstacle of sin. When Jesus called the man, look at what he says. Lord, first let me go and bury my father. My friends who have lost people in this place, mothers, fathers, daughters, sisters, you've lost people you love. Imagine somebody coming to you saying, let's go to church. And you're saying to them, dude, I just lost my dad. I'll come next week. And then somebody saying back to you this statement, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. Oh, I'm offended. Oh, yes, I'm offended. How dare that pastor tell me that? I, I should be at the funeral. My parents did so much for me, I need to be there. Now imagine this. This is a man. He might have been the firstborn. He's in charge of the whole funeral. And Jesus is saying, nothing comes before the kingdom. Nothing. Now don't you understand? That would offend somebody. You tell somebody, I'm not coming to the funeral. i got to go to church. People will get offended. If you don't think it offends anybody, y'all haven't put church before anything yet. Hey, come on, let's just keep it real. I don't know what he's talking about. Just do it one time, okay? No, I can't go to the family barbecue. I have to go to church. We hate you. We'll never invite you again to Fourth of July picnic. My friends, I've seen people act crazy in my family. I'm telling you, just because I put the kingdom of God first. You got to... Be ready to serve God. Listen to me. If loving Jesus is wrong, I don't want to be right. If me offending you is by me living for Jesus, then y'all need to get over it or come follow Jesus with me. Because this train decided to go to heaven. Amen? You can go on the caboose to hell if you want, but there ain't nobody worth going to hell over. Look at your neighbor. Say, neighbor, you might be cute, but you ain't that cute to go to hell for. Hey, come on, keep it real. Verse 61. Now you might say, oh, well, pastor, that's kind of extreme. Look at verse 61. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord. Okay, but first, just let me go back and say goodbye to my family. This is the, this guy's not trying to go back and have a three-day funeral like they would have in, in Israel at that time. He's just saying, hey, can I go back and say goodbye? Can I just let them know I'm taking off? Look at what Jesus says. No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. You might think to yourself, now Jesus is crazy. You didn't read your Bible then. This is the Jesus we all love and adore. Why is Jesus telling us to do that? 
They didn't have cell phones back then. You can't be like, hey, honey, listen, you may not believe this, but I'm with Jesus right now, okay? I'm going to be home for a little bit. I, he wouldn't let me come back and say goodbye to you. Okay, it's okay. I love you. And he's, could you imagine? And the husbands don't use this as an excuse. You're watching the ball game. Oh, it's my wife. Let me tell you. Hey, honey, I'm with Jesus right now. He told me to be here. Got the game in the background. There was no cell phones. What Jesus was saying is, you want it, you want it now. Come and get it. Come and get it right now. See, because Jesus' train was always moving. Jesus was the kingdom of God upon this earth. We're not talking about just any ordinary man. We're talking about somebody raising the dead, healing the sick. He was going to be in one village to the next. Jesus moved with crowds. He couldn't sit there and go, okay, man, we're just waiting for Bartholomew, guys. It'll be another hour here. No, he had to go. And he said, if you want to come, you want, you want to come and get it, get it now. And my friends, you've got to be ready for that. Some of you might have friends and family and say, you're going a little fast for us, man. Slow it down. No, you've got to pick it up. You've got to tell them, no, you've got to pick it up. I'm running for Jesus now. I'm not just going to slow down. You might say, Pastor, do we just leave everybody behind? For your salvation, you do. And then you go back and get them because you can't help nobody unless you first are helped. Unless they first got saved, how could they go back to their family? How could they go back to their community? One of the biggest lies, everybody look at me, I see in disciples' lives, is they're getting on fire. God is changing their life. And they're running, man, with everything they got. And there's people lagging behind. And the devil says, if you were really a Christian, you would still hang out with them just on Friday. Friday nights because nobody else will love. That is a devil's lie. Look at your neighbor and say, don't fall for it. Because the devil knows if he can get you to go back and at a slower pace, you'll lose your passion. You won't be fit for the kingdom. And if you've ever looked at people plow with animals, you'll be trying to look back and look forward, look back, look forward. And you'll start messing up that whole field. You'll become lukewarm. And Jesus says, you make me want to be. I'll spit you out. Jesus is looking for all or nothing. He's either Lord of all or not Lord at all. Can you say amen? Look at number four. Disciples do the impossible with God. Right about now, you're probably thinking to yourself, who in the world can be a disciple? That happened with them. Look at a certain ruler. He said, good teacher, what must I do to inherit life? Jesus said, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. The man says, all of these I've kept since I was a boy. That man was lying. You know that. He had to disobey his parents. But anyways, he said, I've obeyed all of these. Verse 22, when Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Somebody say, one thing. Say it like you're from the South. One thing. Come on, baby. One more time. One thing. There we go. Sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. So he told a rich man, now you want to follow me? Sell everything you have. When he heard this, the rich man, he became very sad because the man was a man of great wealth. Jesus looked at him and said, how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? Indeed, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Now look at verse 26. This may be what some of you are feeling right now. Those who heard this asked, who then can be saved? Look at this right here. Come on, everybody follow me real quickly here. You might be looking at this illustration today. A man being asked to follow Jesus and not go to a funeral. That's impossible. A man being asked to not say goodbye to their own family. And somebody being asked to give up every penny, everything they have to follow Jesus. You might be thinking to yourself right now, that is impossible. I don't know anybody that could give everything, not say goodbye to a family, not go to a funeral. You are right. It is impossible. Because salvation is not a work of man. 
Salvation is a work of God. My friends, it's you asking God to save you, and it's you asking God, make me a disciple. You will not be a disciple unless you rely upon the strength of God. Those who are like, man, I'm going to start working really hard at this. I'm going to do everything I can. If you leave God out the picture, all you have is religion, and religion will leave you high and dry. Some of you have made your New Year's resolutions like you make promises to God. God, I promise never to look at this again. I promise never to do that. But you don't rely on God. You don't develop an intimate relationship with Him. And it literally becomes impossible to give up your friends. Impossible to give up the things of the past. Impossible to give up the money, the influence. Whatever you're dealing with that keeps you from being a disciple, you will face this. But what did Jesus say? What is impossible with men is possible with God if you believe it. Can you say amen? Jesus wants you to be a disciple more than you want to be a disciple. Jesus wants our lives to be changed more than you want your life to be changed. You said at the beginning, Pastor, he loves us. Yes, he does. He loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to let you stay that way. You see, we come to Christ dirty. We come to Christ in sin, and there's forgiveness, there's cleansing, but then there's a transformation of life. It's called metamorphosizing, being changed from a caterpillar to a butterfly. You came here all slitherly, and you had a bad attitude, and you came in here with some junk in the trunk. Are you all listening to me? And you come in slithery, and we look at you like, man, look at you. You look crazy. No, I'm kidding. But we look at you and go, Jesus loves you. Yes, he does. And then when you pray, what happens? You start to transform. You become a butterfly. You become something that's beautiful in the eyes of God. How did I come to the cross? As a caterpillar, gross and nasty. Even sweet old grandmothers, that's how they come to the cross. You come nasty. Some of y'all ain't looking at me like the right way. You think I'm crazy. I'm not even trying to be funny. But look, you just come slithering. And what does God do? He says, I'll change you. I'll put you in a cocoon. I'll wash you with my blood, and you will come out a new person. And now you start flapping. You start flapping your wings, and you say, I get scared. I don't know if I can live for God. I'm going back to sin. I feel like everything's falling apart. The same God who saved you will keep you saved. The same God who changed you that day will change you this day. The same God who washed you clean will wash you clean again. It's everyday process moving forward with God. He's not looking for perfect people. He's looking for people who are perfectly in love with Him, giving Him all all they got. This is all I got, God, but I'm giving it to you. Help me. And God will pick you up and take you places you never knew you could go. Is, is, is God looking at us? Yes. Augustine said it this way. Pray as if it's all on God and work as if it's all on you. Because God is looking for faith with actions. James says, faith without deeds is dead. He's looking for people who say, I want it, God. I'll do everything I can. But I'm relying upon your strength the whole way there. Would you stand up on your feet with me? And if you believe God can make disciples, would you give them a hand clap of praise? Come on. Jesus. Hallelujah. Band, would you come? Look at what Peter said after this discussion. What's impossible with man is possible with God. Peter said to him, we've left all we've had to follow you. Peter knew what it took to be a disciple. He said, I've left everything, Jesus. Verse 29, I tell you the truth, Jesus said. No one who has left home or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come. Eternal life. You know what Peter said? Peter said, I'm doing 
doing it, Jesus. I'm giving up everything. That rich man didn't depend on you, but I'm dependent on you. I've left everything. And what's Jesus' promise back to him? You're receiving it back a hundredfold, not only here, but in the life to come. Look at your person next to you and say, God's a good God. He will bless you. Look at your other neighbor and say, you're not going through it alone. There is a promise for those who endure to the end. There is a promise that money can't buy you. What, is it to, what does it mean to you today to be a disciple? Our last point today. Disciples may be hated by the world, but they are loved by God. Look at John 15. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. There's people in our churches right now, overseas, literally right now, that when they accept Jesus, they can never go home to their family again. Some of you won't come to church unless you feel just right, have your coffee and all. Listen, there are people that going to church cost them their moms and dads. I had a, a diary called Saharan, uh, Saharan Desert. Saharan Journals is about a man who worked in Afghanistan before we started war there. He talked about one of his disciples, a young girl, accepted Jesus in Afghanistan. You want to know what it cost her to be a young girl just like this? She accepted Jesus. They went down to do their daily Salat prayers, proclaiming the Shahada. There's only one God, Allah and Muhammad is his messenger. Alhamdulillah, bow down and give him praise. And she doesn't pray. She doesn't move. She's about 14 years old and she's scared. Her brothers, her father look at her and say, if you don't get down and pray, we're going to disown you. They went down again to pray. She doesn't move. They beat her. Father and brother beat the girl. They then locked her in a closet. And they said, we'll give you another chance. The next time they went to pray, she wouldn't pray. They beat her again. The missionary called this article Red Eyes. Red Eyes. I was reading it. Red Eyes. I still have it at home. They said, we will spare your life. Get out the house. We won't kill you. They could have killed their daughter. He said, we'll spare you. She went to the Christian missionary who was teaching English. Her eyes were full of blood red because she had been beaten and punched in her face. She said to the missionary, can I live with you? My friends, that's what it costs. When we talk about Jesus and what it's worth... We're not talking about way back, way back when. We're talking about there's people in this generation right now. As a matter of fact, 100,000 people suffer persecution a year unto death. Martyrdom in America. Voiceofthemartyrs.com. Check it out. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would have loved you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world. But I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Some of you will be hated by family members. Some of you may be hated by your coworker. I remember sitting down with a woman, and I just started talking to her about heaven and hell. And she said, oh, you're one of those, huh? You're one of those. I go, I don't know what one of those are, but I believe the Bible. I'm sorry, where have you been? Who has done that to you? I wasn't there. But you know what? They hate God, and that's why they hate us. I'm not talking about being rude, taking the Bible. You're going to hell. I'm not talking about Fred Phelps. God hates homosexuals. I'm not talking about being rude. 
But, I, but I've been on the streets. I, I was in Mardi Gras preaching the gospel. Man overheard our conversation. He was definitely intoxicated. Got right up in my face. Got right up in my face like this. Just like that. I felt just like Adam did. Timid, intimidated. It's like a beast coming your way. A tiger. He came right up in my face. He said, my parents came from Germany. And their mom and dad, my grandparents, died in the Holocaust as Jews. Where does your God say they go? And I said, man, the Bible says there's a heaven and a hell and you can't get in. I don't care what the Bible says. You tell me what they, where they are. And all of a sudden, another Christian walked in and said, dude, he told you what the Bible said. That's it. Get out of his way. Get, get out of his face. I've had friends get punched in the face just because of things like that. Heaven and hell is serious. And when the world hears about it, sometimes they get angry. And we're not always their buddy buddies. When we say that marriage is between one man and one woman, we get people angry at us. When we say that I'm going to stand for Jesus and righteousness, people get angry. I'm not looking for a fight. I'm just telling you there's a fight going on in our culture right now. And if you're not ready to lay down your life, you may not make it, as the Bible says, through these end times because some people will be beheaded for their faith. Read Fox's Book of Martyrs. It chronicles Christianity from its inconception. Do you know that 11 of the 12 disciples were all martyred for their faith except for uh, Judas who hung himself and then John who was boiled alive but didn't kill him? All the rest of them, Peter, crucified upside down. Thomas went to India with spear to death. This is what Jesus said. He said, remember the words I spoke to you. No servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. Here it is. Make your decision today. Do consumers look to please themselves? Disciples look to please Jesus. Who do you want to be? Consumers place their needs above God. Disciples place God above their needs. Consumers are accepted by the world. Disciples are rejected and hated by the world. Consumers leave when things get hard and search for a better deal. It's past 12, Pastor. You, you wore me out. I'm not coming back next week. But disciples are loyal to Jesus and stay to seek God for strength. Number five, dis- consumers are loved by the world. Disciples are loved by God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your message today. It's all about you, God. We can't do it in our own strength. We can't do it, God, looking to just man. God, we have to look to you. You came to this world and you made disciples. You looked at Peter, a fisherman, and you said, follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. God, they left everything to follow you. And through those three years, God, they suffered persecution. They were rejected. But God, they saw the kingdom of God come. It was worth it. And in the end, God, they laid down their lives for you. They passed the baton to the next generation. Inclement, Ignatius, Polycarp, Tertullian. Oh, God, Origen. They carried it on and carried it on to the great Reformation with Huss and and Martin Luther. Oh, God. Whitcliffe. Some of them burned at the stake by the, the powers of that time. And they passed it on, God, to the early Pentecostals 
and brothers in America, people who gave their life so that I could stand here and preach this message. And they went around the world. They left their homes. The Bavarians in the early 1600s left their homes and went on slave ships to witness to the people of Africa. The slave ship owner said, I won't have you do any of that preaching here. They said, then buy me as a slave so I can go with them. And the missionaries were sold as slaves Two young ones and their parents looked from the shores as they were never going to see their children again. And one of the young missionaries shouted from the boat, May the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. Oh God, do it again. God, we're not sadistic people looking for a death wish, but God, we just pray for boldness. That in this generation, we would not be a part of the consumer Christianity that is so weak and powerless. That God, we would be convicted again to follow you regardless of the cost. That today would be more than just a day of a church service. But a day we draw a line in the sand and say, I have decided to follow Jesus though none go with me I still will follow I have decided to follow Jesus as altar workers come we're just going to have a simple time of prayer in just a moment today I apologize if me having the nations present their vision to you took too much time today I'm sorry if our our time of prayer holding flags at the altar caused you to get in a longer line at at the house of pancakes today. I'm, I'm sorry if we don't do this like they do on TV, my friends, but I'm here to be genuine. I'm here to represent a gospel that has been around for 2,000 years on the backs of martyrs and saints who prayed. Just a few more testimonies before we begin to pray today. There were two old ladies, because I just want to cover every base. Some might be saying, Pastor, but I'm old. I love Jesus, but I don't know what to do for. I mean, I don't sin, but, you know, well, what can I do? There were two old ladies in the, in the country of Welsh, and they just said, we can't stand the churches around here. They're, they're not godly. They're so religious. And in the 1800s, these, these older ladies, retired ladies, just began to pray and say, God, save our nation. These young people run to the bars. These coal miners have so much vulgarity in their mouth. God, just save Welsh. And there was a young man, 19 years old, Evan Roberts, who was woken up in the middle of night, saw a vision, became a preacher, started the Welsh revival, and he gave credit to those praying women who kept praying for his nation. And God raised up a preacher. When was the last time you prayed for the high schools where we hear the school shootings at? When was the last time you just went out and did something other than complain? When was the last time you, you helped somebody, not just a, uh, you know, a few dollars to the homeless, but you actually mentored them? You, you gave back what you have been given. When was the last time you let somebody train you to be used for God? One last story. Every head bowed, eyes closed. Just meditate as I'm talking right now. I'm praying and talking because I just feel God in this place. 
There was a businessman. Some of you say, Pastor, I'm a businessman. I'm, I'm, I'm successful. I'm, I have a lot on the line here. There was a businessman during the 1800s, during the time of D.L. Moody. He got saved under D.L. Moody's ministry. His family owned the largest food production company. It would be like Kraft Food or General Mills of our day. He was the next in line. And he went and gave everything he had away. Worked with D.L. Moody and then went overseas. Contracted a disease and died at the age of 25. You might say, Pastor. You might say, Pastor. He wasted his life. My friends, we'll see when we get to heaven what he achieved. One of the missionaries from Wheaton who gave their life, I believe it was either Honduras or in El Salvador, one of the Central American countries. Brother Elliot, he said, I'd rather live a full life than a long life. What's it take, friends? What does it take today for you to be a disciple? I've just given you every example that God told me to give you today. What's it going to take? As the band begins to play right now, I'm going to pray. And as you feel led, we're going to pray for disciples to be raised up. We're going to assist you today in praying. But it's got to be your decision. As I pray, if you want some prayer today, just begin to come. Today, Jesus, I ask that those who come and make decisions to be disciples, that God, you'll strengthen them. That God, today, Lord, there'll be disciples in this church. That there'll be Christians, God, who don't just say it on a census, but live it every day of their life. Today, Father God, we're not just asking for people to say, I'm sorry for my sin. But God, we're looking as you looked across the crowds for people to deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow you. Eternity is at stake. Come on, sing it out, girl, as we pray for you today. If you're already a disciple, just sing this out today. Maybe you might want to pray for your community. You know God's given you a calling. Pray today that God will use you.